Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Thursday, August 15th at 11.11 p.m. Central Time. And I'm about to record a podcast all by myself. Uh, partly because I, uh, I've i tried to create the practice of Friday, uh, letting that be a, a day of Sabbath, a day in which I don't uh, do any work. And one of the things that I learned early on about trying to maintain this practice of Sabbath is that for you to have Sabbath, you, you got to get all your work done beforehand. And I, I do this Thursday lunch group partly because uh, it, it lets me know exactly what that my sermon is completed and having to communicate to a few people uh, is is a great like reminder like it has to be done so I'm not like writing sermons over you know Friday or Saturday and it um, it's it, it's easy to say that you you want to do Sabbath but ultimately Sabbath is something that is built upon the premise that you get all your work done for the week so that you can stop. And uh, so doing a podcast, uh, it's late Thursday night, so that uh, Friday I can do Sabbath is kind of um, a must. Obviously, there are exceptions, as our man Jesus, our man, Messiah, whatever you want to call him, I think he's all those things. Uh, As Jesus himself once said, uh, man was not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. So obviously, there are times that, you know, there are some exceptions, which I think I'll even reference one of those in a second. Um, But... um, yeah, so I'm wrapping this up so I can do Sabbath, and I don't know why I went on this roof about Sabbath. It's not what I'm talking about, but um, that's that's what happened. Now, let me tell you the backstory for this. Uh, back in July, I uh, was thinking of uh, what to post, and uh, I had uh, two uh, re-releases I was definitely going to do, and the the Richard Beck, Rob Bell one, and then the... Um, Richard Rohr one. I just wanted a lot of Richards on there. And uh, then I thought, you know what? Uh, let's let's have Suzanne back on there. Partly because I had just had dinner with her, and I thought, we need to re-release that one from not too long ago. And uh, kind of the Rohr podcast was like my intro to the Enneagram. And then I thought, well, let's have some Suzanne on there, because she's been a huge influence with me in the Enneagram as well. And so uh, I decided to post that one. And as as you know, every yes that you say to something means that there is a no you're saying to something else. And what I ended up saying no to with that was actually uh, what what I'm going to talk about right now. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll just not, not do it. And then lo and behold, we had uh, some issues show up this week in the podcast, had two cancellations. And, uh, you know, that happens. Just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a professional. Uh, you know, I got a, a Tuesday, someone, the, the Wednesday podcast said, oh yeah, they can't do it this day. Can we, can we reschedule? And I was like, yeah, no big deal. I've got one scheduled for Friday morning. Um, and then I get uh, a text message uh, a couple hours before right now. And the uh, person scheduling the Friday thinks, that, oh yeah, by the way, uh, this the, the, the studio, it, it was a movie podcast, um, which hopefully I'll have for for later. It's, it's about a really good movie. Um, uh, I mean, it's Peanut Butter Falcon. It's hopefully it works out, and yeah, hopefully that works out. If not, it's, the movie's really fascinating. Anyway, um, and so they say, oh yeah, studios canceling all press for Friday, so we're gonna push to next week. So hopefully that works out. But um, so I thought to myself, I've, I've got about six or seven friends I know I could call up and say, hey, let's do a podcast. We can come up with something. Uh, there's plenty of interesting things from my interesting friends for uh, for all of us to hear. And then I thought, no, I don't want to. I've, I've got something I want to share. I've got some writing I've been doing, 
And um, I remember years ago reading a gentleman named Donald K. Miller. I don't know if that's actually his real middle initial, but it should be. Uh, but Don Miller was talking about how his blog was kind of like the, the testing ground for stuff that he was writing. I thought that's a fascinating idea. And uh, I've done this before. Uh, I had something that uh, w- eventually made it into my first book, which is entitled God Over Good. Um, I, I posted that a, a while back, and I have something that I've been, been working on, I've been writing. And it's actually not my next book. Um, that one I'll tell you more about uh, as we get a little closer to next spring. Uh, but that is a different book that I am not talking about today. Um, but that, that's some content I'm very excited about, and you'll learn more about that soon. But uh, this is for something else. Uh, I've got some other writing projects that um, I'm kind of, um, you know, starting over, creating some new content. And uh, I thought today we would uh, we try some of it out. And I think, I, like, like, I feel like I'm onto something. Earlier, uh, you know, I, I, my writing process is I write pretty much, um, you know, every day at work. And um, just stuff eventually kind of rises to the surface. And uh, what it becomes, I don't know. Uh, is it a sermon series? Is it another, another book? I don't know what it is. But it's it's something. And I think it's worthwhile uh, to share with you all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, to, to read some of that. I might kind of jump in and do some uh, riffing off it. Uh, but for the most part, I'm just going to be reading from that. And um, I'll do that in a minute. Um, but before, I just want to say... Thanks for listening, as always. Uh, thanks for, for all the support for the podcast. I am always grateful for y'all, and uh, I hope uh, you find some connection to this content. So, uh, without further ado, here it is. Here's me reading some stuff that I wrote. Uh, for many of us, it's not that the divine hasn't appeared in our life. It's that we've been too preoccupied to be aware like a concert violinist playing a $3 million violin in the subway to a crowd of travelers who don't have the time to stop and savor the grace merited upon them, we too walk past the divinity imbued within each moment. Jesus said to not worry about tomorrow's troubles because today's troubles are enough for today. I'd add that not only is today's trouble enough for today, but so too is today's divinity enough for today. Worrying about tomorrow is to disregard tomorrow, and to live in want for more than what you have right now also disregards what you have right now. And by want, I mean that feeling that has us changing and chasing the next thing. To look to our calendar for something that will keep us going, to think that if I could just perfect that, accomplish this, or figure the other problem out, then it would all be better. As Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, we want because we don't, we don't see. Now, some have argued that the green pastures that Psalm 23 references are not the, the rolling lush hills of middle America with abundant grass, but instead the green pastures look more like the sparsely populated beard of a 15-year-old boy, splotches of growth surrounded by utter barrenness. The ability to forsake wanting leads to the ability to see the abundance around us right here right now. It's not the greenness of the pasture that makes us not want, but because you can see your creator as the one who cares for you like a shepherd, and therefore you don't want. 
the ability to see abundance amidst sparsity creates the ability to forsake wanting. To embrace all the beauty of now, we must forsake and renounce the temptation for then, whether then is the future or the past, to to not fly over the state's of incompletion, boredom, frustration, and lack, as though only the states of victory, novelty, and excitement matter. It's to disregard the wanting for others and to trust the belief that now isn't just all you have, but now is all that you require. To not worry or want about tomorrow and what it will bring, but to trust that today has enough worries and wonders to fulfill you. In the normality of now, not in the grandeur of the best moment, but in the everyday moment, it's enough. But it's not just this moment that's enough, it's you that is enough. Not who you should be or who you could be, but you right here and right now with all your scars and unhealed wounds are enough. And it's not just you that's enough, but they, that person, yes, I'm talking about them, they they too are enough. And it's not just the time that you have that's enough, it's also the time that you don't have that's still enough. And it's not just life that's enough, but it's also death that's enough. Now, if you don't believe in any of that, my goal is for you in this project, book, who knows, to help get you there. This work attempts to be your companion on the road trip who nudges you to get you to open your eyes to see the view that you've been asleep and almost missed. It's avoiding, it's nudging you to avoid the temptation of want, to embrace the beauty of now, just like it's nudged me to do the same. New paragraph. Next story. It's still dark outside, and my female vocals playlist plays loud enough for me to lose myself in it, but not loud enough to wake up my family, or so I thought. My hands and feet firmly pressed into a yoga mat that's color and texture are not what it was just a few years before. My eyes look down toward my feet in a downward-facing dog pose, and I hear the pitter-patter sounds of tiny feet turning the quarter from the girl's bedroom area. The pacing accelerates, and then I feel 40 pounds jump onto my back. A pink blanket hangs down past my head onto the red mat. I feel her climbing as the back of my head transformed into a step stool. She's finally still, and then I begin to flow through different poses as though nothing just happened and there isn't a five-year-old on my back. And then I stop and say, I feel a gerblet. Now, side note, for some reason, I call my daughter's Gerblets, I don't know why. My only hope is that in the future they find a skilled therapist who will help answer that question and undo the untold damage that it's caused. I feel a gerblet. The first giggle erupts. I hear a gerblet. More giggles. I smell a gerblet. Giggles. But I don't see a gerblet. The giggle becomes a full laughter. I transform this time into a bucking bronco, and she holds on with all of her tiny little might. After a minute or two of this game, she will then go find a spot on the couch and wait for her two older sisters. The oldest will soon walk into the kitchen, fully dressed for the day, turn on the kitchen light, and begin finalizing her and her sister's lunches by adding the drinks and an ice pack to what mom prepared the night before. Finally, the other sister will walk into the living room wearing her pajamas with her day's outfit in her hands. (laughs) 
She passes the red yoga mat, approaches the couch, and drops her clothes and shoes on the ground. She sits on the floor, struggling to concurrently wake up and dress herself. Upon completing those tasks, she will amble into the kitchen, hop on the counter, pull down cereal bowls, and get her and her sister's breakfast. The house, save for some recently deposited pajamas and yoga mat, would make some wonder if anyone actually resided in this house. Blankets and pillows pristinely placed upon the couch. Stacks of folded clothing sit on the fireplace while the perfecter remains asleep. It's a home that most would envy. Later, I'll finish a workout reminding me that my body, will not, while not the same as it was when I was 20, Yet I still know I have no reason to complain. I'll then get into a trustworthy truck that I've had for over a decade and head to work a job that I find meaningful and interesting just like when I began in this profession almost two decades before. Yet, somewhere within me, want whispers in my ear saying that I need a little more. It says, this is good, but it could be better. The description of what could be better changes. But want is always present. Once whisper appears in every one of our heads, no matter how undeserved or out of place it is. The words change to fit our disposition, but it's the same presence. For some, want speaks in subtle ways that only slightly deviates us off course. For others, want has taken us so far off course that we've lost true north and any recollection of our truest self. For some, the words sound like, I need to do a little more, and then I can be content here. Or it's, yeah, 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 this is fine, but I know it could all fall apart any time now, and something terrible is waiting around the corner. Or it says, okay, this is good, but if you just added that, then it would be better. What makes us keep walking past where we should be stopping and all? What makes us feel that whatever Matt or ground we are standing upon, it's not enough. My dad loves to discuss ideas and concepts. He's a retired college professor and clinical psychologist who doesn't always perceive that not everyone desires to have a serious intellectual conversation. Or maybe he does, but he just doesn't care. Or maybe he just sees more in them than they see in themselves. That last one is probably closest to the truth because that's what he's always done with me. Now, this day's phone call reaches the standard 30-minute time domain. He will end the call with gratitude for me taking the time to call him, as always, though he was the one who kept me company on my drive home from work that day. He will engage with ideas discussed that week on my podcast. That's this podcast. Or my sermon, or maybe the book he's been reading. And I will be happy just to listen to him. Retired professors still have plenty they need to profess, and even even if no longer, given an audience of students obligated to listen attentively. But also the inquisitive questions typical of a psychologist appear, intuitively but not always gently questioned. A staple of our family lore is the infamous grades or money inquisition of 2001. My redheaded brother brought home a woman of questionable character who had dropped out of college that semester. My father, with a tact of a bowling ball, asked, Are you not in school anymore because of grades or money? Uh, under my breath, I began to chuckle. As a 20-year-old, my brother, with all of his breath, objected with a, Dad, 
My brother's interruption luckily saved the girl from having to answer the question, but still, she never returned, and I think that is truly the answer my dad sought, which is probably best for my brother in the long run. Side note, I probably need to get permission before telling that story. Okay, back to the reading. This day's conversation remained low on inquisition and heavier on monologue, specifically a monologue regarding the rampant desire for more. I don't even know how we got to the subject. Could have been I just zoned out, maybe. But when he said this line, I zoned back in. In this age, Luke, we will probably never be satisfied, but we can be content. Probably never satisfied, but we can be content. Seven decades of living about with cancer, four decades of being a psychologist with an emphasis on helping patients with chronic pain will get you quite aware of the impotence of satisfaction. As our friend Mick Jagger, the man of many moves, told us, satisfaction is quite hard to get because it means having every wish that you want fulfilled. Satisfaction is is how you feel when you've just finished a meal that requires a tailor altering your entire closet. Satisfied is how you feel when every box is checked and every urge satiated. But one satisfaction often comes at the expense of another dissatisfaction. Satisfaction is perilous because it's the quest to have both the ideal meal and not have your pant size change. Satisfaction is having the hedonistic pleasures of Hugh Hefner while having the family life of June and Ward Cleaver. Satisfaction is accomplishing everything you want professionally while also being fully invested with your family and friends. Satisfaction, satisfaction, un, Satisfaction's unwieldy status is because every choice is a renunciation. Every yes is a no to something else, and there are plenty of no's that we don't want to say. That continued pursuit of meals that require Taylor's touch creates an unenjoyable doctor's visit. The continued pursuit of excessive success at work creates a discontent family or friends at home. Uh, Satisfaction feels like the Sisyphean task of rolling a boulder up a hill every day only for it to roll back down every time you approach the summit. Because everything just doesn't fit. Uh, satisfaction doesn't come easy and maybe doesn't arrive at all, but then you realize that the option isn't to get satisfaction, but the option at hand is to find contentment. To say, I don't want. To say that I don't need more. Contentment is when you accept that your cup isn't full, but that you don't need more to have joy. Contentment is when you know that there is more out there, but you are content with what's within here. Contentment is to be inside your circle and aware that outside the circle does exist more, but you're okay for it to remain outside of your circle, which means that right now, no matter what it is, no matter what it isn't, somehow can be enough. Uh, There's a Swedish word, logum, which is the anti-venom for want. Uh, this word has been uh, loosely translated from Swedish as into English as just the right amount or in moderation or appropriate. Uh, for example, a, a common usage would be the water is logum hot or the coffee is logum strong. The word 
logum itself comes from a shortening of the phrase leget om, which literally means around the team, and it dates back to the Viking era between the 8th and 11th centuries. Uh, communal horns, these things that held beverage, uh, filled with this fermented honey wine would be passed around and everyone had to sip their own share and not a bit more. When the communal horn is passed around from one Viking to the next, there's enough for everyone's need, but not for everyone's the greed. The sip of that fermented honey wine wasn't everything to satisfy them, but it's enough for them to be content. Family is back in the living room, and the girls want to do a stunt. A common practice where the two oldest hold up the youngest. Despite their practice, I don't think a thin rug over a tile floor is the right place to practice it. So I tell them that they must get the two pink and purple gymnastic mats out from the closet so they don't drop their five-year-old sister onto the tile floor. Somewhere in between getting the mats out and placing them on the ground, the game has been changed. It's no longer stunt time. It's now fort time. How that happened, I'm not sure. But regarding which daughter came up with the game, I would bet my truck on my ability to guess which one did. The mats are stood up. Together they form a circle in the boundaries of their fort. Blankets get thrown over the side. A quick sign in our eldest daughter's handwriting is created, informing the world that the the fort belongs to Avery, Adeline, and Audrey. And oh yeah, Oliver, the dog. Pillows get thrown inside, and the doorway opening is draped with a white blanket. Uh, Lindsay and I enjoy a moment of respite because unbeknownst to them, the girls are now in a cage. And the adults now have a moment to finally talk after a busy day. Then a request is lofted over the fort's walls. Dad, Daddy, Mommy, come in the fort. Within a second, we've joined. We lay in a circle, and I'm on the last fumes from preaching three sermons and getting smoke in my Sunday afternoon mile swim by what appeared to be an 11-year-old girl in the lane next to me. But honestly, who knows if she could pass a PED drug test. Or at least that's what I told myself, so I'd feel better about being beaten by an 11-year-old. I'm exhausted, but I'm grateful to be laying down. The girls had other plans. Avery perfecting every detail, just like her mom. Adeline coming up with jokes that make us laugh and games that make everyone smile. Audrey, the youngest, just being the boss. Oliver being the dumb dog that chases outside the circle after a stuffed animal that I pretended to throw over. We then play the high-low game with special emphasis placed on the highs. And in this moment, I'm reminded that this isn't just a four, but this is my circle. Because what else could I need? I don't need more downloads or books purchased. I don't need to swim faster. I don't need more positive feedback or less criticism. I don't need more adventures on the horizon. In the circle, I'm reminded of the words of Joan Chittister. In this moment is the essence of everything glorious I've been given in life, and it's enough. And the presence of want remains outside. The contentment of enough edges out the need for more. And it's not enough because there aren't things outside the circle that I desire. 
It's because I've chosen to say that it's enough. It's not because of the absence of desired objects. It's because of the disposition that's been developed of trying to live within a circle. Now, the circle is no more the actual structure created by pink and purple mats than marital faithfulness is a golden ring. The circle is the the disposition that defines this moment as whatever moment you're in, whatever feeling, whatever bank account, whatever level of failure or success as the moment that contains all you need and contains traces of the goodness your creator imbued within each moment. In the circle, it's not about satisfaction, it's about contentment, because the emptiness of want has been left outside and it's been replaced by the feeling of gratitude that comes from wonder. All right, friends. That's all I want to read for you for today. So, that's it for today. Um, Contentment, gratitude. I think those are all important things. And uh, you probably heard me talk about them a few times on the podcast before. And uh, so that's that. And so, um, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll have uh, a few more interviews for you coming up soon. And uh, we'll do the normal podcast from then on. But that's it. I don't know how to end this by myself. It's really awkward. Because usually I would say, oh, that was good. Thanks for the time to someone. But I, I don't know how to say that to myself without feeling any more awkward than I do sitting in my bedroom at 1142 recording a podcast by myself. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks Bye. for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.